So, I was wondering why there's so many stories about vampires in Europe, but not at, but not in Africa. Then I realized vampires are killed by holy water. They, they bless, bless the, the rains, rains down yeah. in Africa. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Welcome, everybody, to the strange world of Christianity. We are your hosts, Zach Stelly. And Zach Hilton. And we are here to talk about some of the uh, odd, strange, and uh, misunderstood aspects of the Christian faith. Yes, we are. We're going to attempt to. Yep. So, Zach, we've got a problem. I know. What is our problem? Because I don't know our problem. It's, it's actually a couple problems. Oh. We got some beef? Do we need to go out in the hallway? No, 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 not not between us. Okay, I mean it's it's within us, but it's not between us. Oh, so uh, today we're gonna be uh, talking about uh, the problem of evil. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, be- yeah. You have some of that. <laughs> <laughs> I've got a lot of that actually. Um, for for those of you who are wondering um, whether we're good people, we're not. We're terrible. Well, um, I am. I'm quite literally floating <laughs> above my chair right now. <laughs> And see, uh, Zach just lied there, so that just makes him even worse. <laughs> he lied about being good. So, <laughs> Calvinist uh, dog says, "Who is a good boy?" Said nobody's a good boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, today we're going to be talking about uh, the problem of evil. Um, yes. Why would a uh, all loving God create human beings with a sin nature to just send them to a place of eternal conscious torment? Yeah. Um. Uh. So, Zach, what are, what are your uh, initial thoughts on this? Well, you have to look at God's plan and redemptive and redemptive nature for humanity. Okay, so the fall happens. Adam and Eve eat the tree. Uh, everything was perfect. It was Eden beforehand, and then the fall happened. Basically, women have pain in childbirth. Work is hard now, and now we can die. Yeah, that's the big thing. That was the great result of the fall. And so God's narrative throughout the whole throughout the new uh, Old Testament rather is the redemption story of God's chosen people the Israelites back to himself through the promised Messiah that we know as Jesus Christ. Right. And so Jesus is now our reconciler. He is our paraclete, which is a Greek word that w- literally means lawyer. He stands in our place for our sin. The fall separated us. Jesus took the blow that we rightly deserve, so that way now we can walk in the righteousness of God. So, the problem with evil. Do you want to tackle what evil is? Uh, well, I, mean, I know I that's think, broad, but like... I, I mean, I think a lot of people know what evil is. Um, do they? I don't. Do you want to tackle the, <laughs> what uh, evil is? We can try. We can definitely try. Evil is anything that goes outside of God's law within the Christian worldview. And so God's law is, um, if you look at the Ten Commandments, for instance, which we'll get into the Ten Commandments a little bit more in the episode, but he sets out a group, he sets out some rules. And within those rules are, a, are what's known as the law, so that way we can know how to achieve holiness, okay? 
And so anything outside of those rules is a breaking of the law. Um, I, so one thing that one thing that I would uh, I think somebody w- somebody that was uh, on the other side of this argument would add is does evil or good even exist? Is because I mean if you look at if you look at it from a scientific perspective, it it seems like there is no like actual. It seems like there is no actual law because laws differ between different cultures, between different uh, parts of the world that you live in. So what one person would think is good, another might think it's bad. So I think something that uh, if I were if I were a non-Christian, um, one thing that I would ask is like, how do you know that there is an ultimate good or an ultimate evil? Is like, is a uh, morality objective or is it relative? This is my problem or a concern that I have with science saying this. Science, by definition, shows how something happens. It doesn't show why. So whenever science says this, it's not science, it's philosophy. And so philosophy tackles these ethical issues. So, for there to be a moral law, there has to be a moral law giver. Okay? We go back to the creation of the universe, which is something that is widely debated. And so within the creation of the universe, there had to be a beginning. Right. And so for there to be a beginning, there has to be something that created the beginning. So as Christians, we believe that God created the beginning. And so, but people could ask, okay, but who created God? The problem in that is there there is a limit that is called time. Steli, I hate to break it to you, you're going to die. Probably not right now, unless, you know, you make me mad, but, like, <laughs> you're uh, you're going to die at some point. Yeah, you're right. I'm going to die at some point. Listener, you're going to die at some point. Death runs in my family. And so the whole thing is God exists outside of time because he created time. In Genesis 1-1, we, what we believe is whenever he said in the beginning, it's like the stopwatch went one, two, and that's whenever time started. So God created time, so He gets to say when time begins. Right. So, I th- so what I'm getting is because God exists outside of time, He He exists outside of uh, our own realm of understanding. That's what gives Him the right to be the moral lawgiver. That that's that's what I'm getting. So, the question is: Is morality objective or is it relative you know i know it's it's easy to say it's easy to say that you know other cultures are going to have different opinions on what's good and what's evil mm-hmm. but there are some truths out there that are like there's no denying the morality so for instance murder in every culture in every context is not something that's looked at as okay like it's not so, or it's not something that's taken very lightly. Absolutely. So I mean, no matter what culture you go to, if you were to ask just an average person, they're going to tell you, "Yeah, murder's not okay. Taking another life is not okay." Um, if you were to uh, go to any any culture, I think uh, you know, is is being disrespectful to your parents okay? Generally, it's like it's not that's not okay. It's like even in our own in our own culture. We all have a general sense of morality. I believe that that sense of morality is given to us by God. So, yeah, I'll go. I'll go off of that. And so, 
God has written his law on all of our hearts. Like Sully mentioned before, like murder is bad because like it's a universal truth that murder is bad. Nobody would condone rape. Rape is a horrible thing. And so these are things that are that are parts of God's law that are written on the hearts of every human being. And for us to understand that fully, we have to understand where these come from and the heart behind these things. And so God gave us his law as a showing of what holiness looks like and what it means to live holy in a fallen world. Right. And so for us to live at, for us to live lives that are truly good, because I had this thought, I asked my Old Testament professor this today. I said, uh, we'll leave his name out of it just for uh, anonymity. And I asked him, so whenever Eve ate the tree from the knowledge of good and evil, was good and equaled to God, or was good a man version of good? Ooh. I know, I know right? I mean, I mean, well, it, I, would, I would assume that it was, it says that God saw that it was good. So I would say that it was God's version of good. But the what was the problem with the good that was on the tree? Because if God made it, if it was good, then that is a problem because it, there were good aspects of the tree. It says in Genesis yeah, 3 well, that, was appetize, that was appetizing to the, the eye. Yeah, the, the knowledge of, it's like the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Like, there wasn't anywhere that said that that the tree was bad or even that the fruit itself was bad. But what God said to Adam and Eve was, do not eat the fruit of this tree Mm. so that didn't necessarily i know a lot of us think that it implies that this tree is bad it's not so much that the tree is bad or the fact that it exists wasn't necessarily bad but it was the act of going against what god had asked you know um our pastor said something really interesting uh about a year or two ago uh he said that god doesn't hate sin because it because it hurts him which i mean it does but the reason god hates sin so much is because it hurts us so whenever we sin like there are consequences that come along with that sin which is actually a really good segue into the next question which is uh why would an all-powerful god allow so much evil in the world the thing is sin doesn't just hurt us and it doesn't just affect us it affects the world around us so let's say that uh i go out one night and drink a little bit too much and i decide to get in the car and drive well if i start driving and i get in a wreck with another car i get into a collision with another car at that point my sin, like the decisions that I made, bore the consequences of somebody else getting hurt. And I don't think a lot of people quite grasp that. Um, whenever we sin, it doesn't just affect you as an individual. It affects the world around you. So it's not fair to put the decisions that we make on God. Now, God gave us free will, and along with that free will... 
while we have the free will to choose him and to follow him and uh, follow his uh, laws and follow his commandments, we also have the free will to not do that. We have the free will to sin. And even though it hurts God and God doesn't want it and he hates sin, he still allows us to do it because he is merciful, because he is good. And those sins that we commit are have consequences that affect us, but they also affect the world around us. I mean, that's that's why we have poverty, because of greed. We have uh, murder, because of jealousy or because of hatred. It's like all of, the, uh, all of these atrocities and all of these evils that exist in the world are a result of our sin nature. And that's not on God, because in the Garden of Eden, Eve and Adam made a decision to go against what God had asked of them. They made the decision to take of the uh, fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil because ultimately they wanted to be like God. You know, um, that was the uh, serpent's whole, uh, that was his whole shtick was if you eat this, you can be like God and you know the difference between good and evil. They wanted to have that advantage because we as human beings, we want control. You know, I think we're made in the image of God and we're creators like not not on the scale of god obviously but we are we are creators and i believe that god made us to be that way but there's there's always a longing to get more and you know as much as it sucks our uh is always going to be at the root of our sin and in turn our sin is going to affect the rest of the world not just us it's going to bring evil into all parts of the world. The only way to combat that is to, as it says in Romans 12 too, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. God's purpose for salvation isn't just to save us, but it's also to sanctify us. It's to change the way we think. It's to affect the way that we look at things. And the only way that that's going to happen is if we're constantly building that relationship with God. And the only way we build that relationship with God is through prayer, through reading our Bibles and understanding who he is. And I believe that the more we seek after him, the more the Holy Spirit's going to work on us and going to help us to change our minds and to change the way that we think and to turn away from our sin. And I think that's God's ultimate plan is to turn us away from the thing that's going to harm us, turn us away from what's causing all the evil in the world and bringing us back to what he originally intended for this world, which was justice, which was mercy, which was peace, which was love. That Those are the things that God wants for this world. That's what God wants for our lives. He wants us to experience good, but dwelling in our sin is not going to produce good things. It's only going to bring us harm. It's only going to bring other people harm. Absolutely. So talking about uh, talking about this evil, I think we do need to uh, touch on, you know, some of the atrocities that were brought on by the Israelites, and uh, I mean, even brought on by uh, later by like later Christians. I mean, you know, we've got uh, we've got things like like we'll we'll start we'll we will get into the uh, we can get into the Christian atrocities later. So, Zach, uh, what's your what are your thoughts on uh, like some of the atrocities that, uh, or some of the claims that the Israelites like committed genocide, it, like with the Canaanites, with the people of Jericho? Like, okay, like what what 
Like, what are your thoughts on that? It's funny because this is something that many prominent atheists, including Sam Harris, brings up. And so he brought this up with Ben Shapiro and asked Ben Shapiro this question. And um, I didn't really like Ben's answer. Uh, if you want it, you can see his podcast, not mine. And so um, this is my answer to the Canaanites, okay? Steli, America has been America for 246 years, okay? Okay. You would say that's a long time, right? Yeah. God gave the Canaanites 400 years to repent from their sin. You want to know the sins that they were doing? They would take golden bulls, okay? And they would sacrifice newborn babies to the god Moloch. How they would do those sacrifices is they would take the babies and they would burn up these bull hands so hot and they would place the babies on these bull hands as a sacrifice to the god Moloch. And so that way the parents couldn't hear their baby scream. Uh, they would beat drums, and as the baby screamed louder, they would beat the drums more, so that way it would drown out the screams of the baby. This is what these people did for 400 years. America has been America for 246, 400 years. And so I believe that God was righteous in his um, killing of every single person there because it also talks about with Abraham that there's this thing called generational sin, that there are generational blessings and generational curses. Think of it like this. Aren't there some things that you do that you see that aren't there some things that you see that your parents did that you do now, whether good or bad? That's a generational hereditary thing. It could either be a good thing or a bad thing. So God's commandment to kill every man, woman, child, livestock of the Canaanites was to erase sin, which if we believe that God is the creator of everything, he doesn't kill. He just uh, He just uh, moves people to different places. Because if we're all spirits, as I said before, then we're all eternal, like God is. So he doesn't move. So he doesn't kill anybody. He just moves them to another place. And so that's the first thing that I would have to say with the Canaanites. Jericho is a very similar thing. Jericho, it was less about the, there was no offense that the people did, except they lived in the land that was promised to the Canaanites. And this is something that I believe a lot of people need to see, and Call of Duty romanticizes this, is war is hell. Yeah. War is a horrible thing. Jericho was war. And so the whole thing with Jericho is Joshua was taking back the land that God promised to them. He was on conquest. So whenever Rahab, the prostitute, held the spies uh, in, the, in Jericho so that way she could be saved, this was an act of war. If you talk to any veteran, they're going to they're, they're gonna have horrible stories about war because war doesn't play fair. Yeah. And so this is war that's happening here. So yeah, children died in war. Women died in war. Men died in war. This is what this was, was war. So don't hold the Israelites to different standards than any other war that happened in history. Well, what, are you, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I definitely understand why people, like, when they see that in Scripture, why they would see that as a problem. Because it's like, I mean, even in our own wars, like, we usually don't fire upon civilians. Yeah. Like, so, but, uh, you know, I think it kind of plays back into some of the things that we were talking about earlier that... The sins of the sins of other people have consequences not just for them. The blood of all those women and children that were slaughtered, you're right. They had nothing to do with it or 
maybe they did. I don't know. I'm I wasn't there, so <laughs> but ultimately ultimately it comes down to the leaders that were there. The lead it's like there Jericho had leaders and they made the decision to go against the will of God. They made the decision to go against the will of a holy God. Well, the whole thing is kind of not really. It was simply, it was it was not offensible. They weren't going against God. They were just on the land that God promised to the Israelites. Could they have, you know, given up the land? But it would have been the same thing as like if, um, it would be the same thing as like whenever the revolution was happening and we were, um, we were fighting the British is because we wanted to be free from their taxes and everything else like that. From the British point of view, we were terrorists, but from our point of view, we were revolutionaries. And so it really just comes down to it wasn't a personal thing that we had against Jericho except that they were on the land that God gave the people of Israel. And God commanded them to go and take the land back. It was less about the sins of Jericho. It was more about they were on the land that God that uh, was promised to the Israelites. But the, what are your thoughts about that? Well, here's the thing. I disagree with that because so let's start from uh let's start from Joshua two. So Joshua chapter two verse two it says, and it was told the king of Jericho saying, behold men have come here tonight from the children of Israel to search out the country. So the king of Jericho sent to Rahab saying, bring out the men who have come to you who have entered your house for they have come to search out all the country. So they know that the uh, the Israelites are there looking. And they didn't like that. Yeah. So, first of all, they're not. Pe- they don't come off as peaceful. But then you read a little further. So Rahab hides the spies, sends the guards away, and then it says later in verse nine. And uh, well, I'll start from verse eight. Now, now before they lay down, she came up to them on the roof and said to the men, "I know that the Lord has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on us, and that all the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you." For we have heard how the Lord dried up the water of the Red Sea for you when you came out of Egypt, and what you did to the two kings of the Amorites who were on the other side of the Jordan. And uh, Sihon, is it? Sihon and Og. Right, Sihon and Og, whom you utterly destroyed. And as soon as we heard these things, our hearts melted. Neither did there remain any more courage in anyone because of you. For the Lord your God, he is God in heaven above earth, heaven above and on earth beneath. So it's like, they hear these things. If they heard these things, then that implies that the rest of the people in Jericho heard these things. Yeah. So they're ma- and they're scared. So that tells me that it's like whether they were scared or not, they made a decision to go against the will of God because they knew that God had promised them that land. Did they though? It seems to me like they did. It seems like they just heard about the miracles that happened to this group of people. They didn't know that they were coming that way. So, because if you look at it, all they saw is Jericho saw that the spies were coming and that they hid with Rahab, and then the and then the people of Jericho were like, Rahab, give us these people. And it was just, from my perspective of how I look at that with that interpretation, is it looks like this is a group of people that's trying to defend themselves. It seems to me like they're, def- they're defending themselves against an unstoppable God. So, if they know that this God is unstoppable, why would they why would they make that effort? That it's like I find it far fetched to think that they were, that they were just innocent bystanders in all of this. It's like if they heard all of those stories, then I don't know. 
if they knew these stories, why would they why would they protect themselves? Why wouldn't they surrender? Where else would they would have gone? They could have there's plenty of places they could have gone, but not but not where God not where God obviously wanted the children of Israel to be. The whole thing with that is if there was an invading force that came to the United States and said, "Hey, we're not going to invade you if you move somewhere else." Where are you going to move 367 million people? But we're not talking 367 million people. Okay, where are you going to move 12,000 people? Let's just say, and where are you going to move them to? I mean, you're telling have... you're telling me that you're going to give all of these people's livelihoods, the generations that have been there, said that there were walls around Jericho, which means somebody had to build those walls, and no man can go over those walls, which means that which implies that they've been there for a while. And so what I see is this is a people that is that is saying basically like no we were here you might say this is your land well we say this is our land this is how wars get fought this is what hitler did yeah i mean if you look at poland poland was like nah we ain't being under your regime and then hitler was like yeah you are and then that's how wor- world war 2 was literally started over this Okay, but then but then that comes into question, okay, why didn't God show them mercy if that was the case? Because this was their land, and they refused to move from that land. Because that was the land of the Israelites, and they refused to move from the lands of the Israelites. Exactly. <laughs> that, I, I, I agree. What, what are you trying to say? I'm, sa- I'm saying that they made the mistake of going up against God. Whether they knew the extent of what that meant... Like they still went against a holy God. I can see that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, you win. Are you happy? <laughs> just, just say if you guys ever wonder if we uh, if we agree on everything. Not all the time, <laughs> but uh, yeah. I mean, there there but there are plenty of there is a lot of different perspectives on this. But it all boils down to God is holy, and He demands perfection, and He needs to be respected. But if you disrespect a holy God, then there are going to be consequences, whether they come na- whether they come immediately or whether they come way later. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you for your entire life reject God and completely live your life against God, it's like maybe nothing will happen to you and maybe nothing bad will happen to you in this life, but you will be punished. We are all going to be judged one day. And the only justification that anybody can have is, did you believe in my son? Were you covered by the blood of Jesus? Did you accept my son, my gift of salvation? Yeah. Okay, so just to recap, uh, why would an all-loving God send seemingly good people to hell? Because we're not good. Uh, Jeremiah 17.9 says, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Uh, we have a basic universal understanding of what is good and what is evil. We're not able to match God's holiness and perfection in our finite human state. We can only be justified before God by accepting his free gift of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. Um, Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Anyone who rejects Jesus will certainly face eternal separation from God, which is what, unfortunately, some people want. Unfortunately, that also means uh, separation from light, separation from life, separation from love, separation from joy, because all of those things are only found in him. He is the source of all of those things. It ultimately would be more cruel of God to force you to choose him or come with him than it would be to give you the choice to be with him or not. 
Then uh, number two, if God is all powerful, why is there so much evil in the world? Evil is a consequence of sin. And when you or I sin, it doesn't just affect us individually. It affects the world around us. If I choose to drink in excess and then break the law by driving drunk, if I get into a wreck with another car, my sin has not only affected me, but it has also affected the passengers of those other cars. If God has given us free will to choose him and free will to not sin, then we also have the freedom to sin, which will always have consequences. While I don't know why God chooses to intervene in some situations and not in others, I don't understand. I don't know that. But I do know that evil in the world is not God's fault. It's our own. And I can't, as a finite being, judge the infinite God. It's just, it's just not my place. And then finally, number three, how do you explain the atrocities that the Israelites committed in God's name? While the Judeo-Christian community has different opinions on the matter, I believe the important thing to remember is this. These groups of people were not innocent by any means. Talking about the, uh, the groups of people that the Israelites committed these atrocities against. Um, God did have mercy on the individuals that turned to him and believed in him, just like Rahab. And while God is merciful, he is also just and he's holy. And there are consequences for choosing God and his people to be your rivals. So ultimately, you know, we see these problems as thorns that are on a beautiful rose. There is evil. There is sin. There are atrocities, but there is also good. There's also joy. There is hope. And we need to focus on the hope that only can come from Jesus. So, yep, uh, that's all we have. Um, if you like the show today, just uh, or if you have questions about this, I mean, if you have uh, things maybe that we didn't mention that you would like to hear in like another episode, feel free to uh, email us at uh, strangeworldofchristianity uh, at gmail.com. Uh, you can also find us on uh, Facebook at uh, Strange World Pod. That's Strange World P O D at uh, Facebook.com. And uh, if you're uh, listening to us on whatever whatever platform, whether it be Google Podcasts, uh, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, um, be sure to leave a, a rate and review or give us a follow. And uh, we'll see you guys next time. Kind of. Of spitballing a little bit. No, We're gonna put a, this in a, in a, in a editing. It's okay. It's okay. I, 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 it's like you I gotta just, you gotta like charge could, me up a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> it's okay. I, I'm